Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, May 13, 2018. The share ID numbers for Friday, May 11th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11406. That's 11,406. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11408. That's 11,408. Today, A Vision for You presents, What's Our Real Purpose in the Program of Action? The promise of the 12-step process of one, is one of a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening, according to Appendix 2 of the Big Book, is a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from compulsive overeating. We are able to see, to feel, to know, and to do things we could never see, feel, know, and do before. As we become established in a new relationship with a higher power of our understanding, we become less and less interested in ourselves and more and more interested in what we can contribute to life. There is a natural progression of turning us inside out from a life-taking habit of self-obsession to a life-giving desire service to others. The 12-step recovery process transforms our lives into an extraordinarily powerful journey charged with meaning, purpose, and usefulness. Joining us today is Greg B., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Greg is dedicated to the 12-step design for living, and it's with great pleasure and appreciation that I welcome Greg B. to the line this morning. Welcome, Greg. Star one to unmute, Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. My pleasure. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Hello. Thank you. I'm, I'm Greg B. from California, and uh, it's a pleasure and privilege to be here, and I Leah kind of just summed everything up right there, and I'll just kind of elaborate from there. I'm Greg B. from California. Uh, just take a pause here for a moment to, to just bring our higher power together, which is, for me, the group and the spirit of community here. Thank you. So what is our purpose, Leah? You know, so eloquently did put it that our purpose is to change from a self-obsessed, self-absorbed, selfish uh, being into a being that, uh, is, for me, is dedicated to helping other people and helping other people achieve recovery, uh, as the uh, tradition states. Now, my primary purpose these days is to be of service to others and uh, to continually fight the natural instinct that I have uh, to worry only about myself. And the things that caused me to eat compulsively are also the things that caused me to get into self-centeredness, or, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the self-centeredness and the things that, uh, the events, the, the situations in life, the, the ups and downs, the, the tumult of our normal existence is really what turns me into a selfish person because I'm afraid I'm not going to get what I want. 
or someone else is getting something I want, I get jealous, envy, and, and the selfishness, this absorption that uh, that we have when we come in, and sometimes when we're here for a while, uh, causes me to become such a small being that food seems like the answer and other substances seem like the answer. And the only solution is a spiritual one, which this program has introduced to me for, for a while now. Um, so let me just step back for a second, just introduce myself if you don't know me, if you haven't met me before. Uh, I'm actually uh, I'm 58 years old. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm from the Midwest, like a few of our fellows, and uh, grew up there. Uh, like a lot of people, I, was, I don't know if I was a normal leader or not, if I ever was, uh, but I certainly have had an addictive personality uh, most of my life. I did get into the mothership program, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, over 35 years ago. At a fairly young age, got sober and uh, worked the steps in that program. But the food uh, never went away, and over time, it did replace my uh, my alcoholic drinking, turned into alcoholic eating, and I started battling my weight seriously about 30 years ago. Um, so like a lot of people, I found a lot of physical solutions to the problem by dieting, um, exercise, etc. cetera. Um, but I was a volume eater, a compulsive eater. I was 310 pounds when I came into the program. So 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, I walked into an OE meeting uh, by mistake uh, I didn't think I belonged here. I was actually going to a different 12-step meeting um, and was quite a bit heavier than I am now. And I said, no, no, this is the wrong meeting. Uh, and then I ran into a therapist. Or I, I'd been going to see a therapist, and, she, and I said to her, out of frustration, I'd run a marathon or walked a marathon at, at 310 pounds and said, you know, I, I ran a marathon. I can't even lose weight. And, and maybe I need to go to OA or something. And she said, um, maybe you do. And where that came from had to be God because that just came out of my lips, as, as things so often do with an ADD person like myself. Um, but I went to an OA meeting shortly after that, um, ran into somebody uh, in who the pro problem had been solved. That person's still going to meetings. I still see them every Saturday at the meeting. And uh, they introduced me to another fellowship that's a little more rigorous. And I, I joined and have never left. And uh, I've never had to revisit the 310 pounds. I have not been perfectly abstinent in the last 10 years. But for the last two years, I have been almost two years, I've been abstinent uh, and been attending Vision for You and w revisiting and reworking the 12 steps repeatedly over and over uh, and love the phone meetings and love all of Overeaters Anonymous. And especially have a fond spot in my heart for a vision for you and the folks that get on uh, relentlessly, just like the disease is relentless. We relentlessly get on the call every day, listen to meetings. Um, I used to count the days of my abstinence. Now I count the days that I go to meetings. So I try to go to 30 meetings every month or 31 or 28, depending on the month. And uh, that's worked for me. So... Let's get back then. My purpose, you know, my original purpose was to get abstinent. 
to get the relief from the flu obsession, uh, lose the weight, uh, look great, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it, I was reminded uh, on page 63 about the self-centeredness and the self-absorption, and I had to do an inventory of myself and where I was and realize that, that was I was the center of my universe. All this knowledge about AA, all this self-knowledge about, um, you know, I had, I had all that, the, the education about Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps, but unfortunately the application was lacking. So I, again, partook in working the steps vigorously, continuously, and realized that early on, um, that it's, you got to give it away to keep it. That's what they did many years ago in AA. That's what we do today, and that's what we do on Vision. So let me just speak now to the newcomer or people that are struggling or suffering. We're no different. We are all struggling and suffering in a lot of ways. And we have all been at that point, that turning point, uh, where it seems completely hopeless. When I say I'm a recovered compulsive, I mean, I said that I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, when we say recovered, for me, what that means for me is I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. When I walk in here, and, and at times in program, I felt hopeless. But it's never hopeless. It never was hopeless. It was only hopeless in my mind. It's only hopeless if I don't do anything, if I don't take any action. It's only hopeless if I do things in isolation. It's only hopeless if I am engaged in self-will and not engaging my fellows. It's only hopeless if I don't see God in the eyes of my fellows in the parking lot, in the supermarket, when I'm walking down the street, the person that cuts me off in traffic. If I don't see God there or, or get the awakened that there is a higher power for those folks too, then I'm engaged in some sort of self-centeredness. And now, again, this is my personal opinion. I'm just a member of this fellowship, and so I tend to say things fairly emphatically, but this is just my truth, uh, and it works for me. And what works for me is when I'm struggling, when I'm suffering, and I've gone through a lot of things in my life, just like everybody has. We're all, you know, I'm a drama queen. Um, there are things that happen in life. I've lost jobs. I've had relationship problems. Things have happened to my kids. Um, all these things have happened to me absolutely in program. What has always worked is when I get, when my world gets small and I really turn inside instead of inside out, like our friend said, uh, outreach, working with others, helping other person always is the antidote. So our primary purpose is to help to achieve recovery ourselves. We've got to put our food down. We've got to put our behaviors down. We have to take strong action to uh, alleviate us from that, that type of thinking and behavior. And one of the strongest actions we can take is to help other people. So my purpose in life these days is to achieve recovery and to help other people achieve recovery. And... Well, I'm not trying to convert people on the outside, so to speak, 
I do need have the responsibility to be loving, caring, and set a good example for other people. Too much um, advice. Why? Thank you. Um, can you hear me okay? I hear you fine, Greg. Sorry for the interruption. Okay, thank you. No, that's okay. No worries. Um, very good. So the the important thing for me is to just help other people at all times. To always be on the lookout for an opportunity to be helpful. Uh, I'm a human being, just like everybody else. I make lots of mistakes. Uh, and I would say this. Don't try to work. And my advice is don't try to work the steps perfectly. Nobody's perfect. No one does a perfect four-step, fifth-step. But get started. Do something. If I look back uh, at my obituary or whatever and, and the things I regret, I think that the things that I would regret the most in life are things that I had thought of or things that I had wanted to achieve and was afraid to take action or didn't take action on. Um, and so I try to always take action. If I get a thought about something and I know it's a spiritual thought, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something for myself, but if I have one of those thoughts, I need to take action immediately. If I have a thought that I have a problem or obstacle or something I'm afraid of, I need to take action immediately. And it's it's quicker to go through the pain and the difficulty, the self-examination. You know, we don't like to do that. Nobody likes, I think it's page 25, it says nobody likes that thorough um, examination and prodding and poking that it takes to work the steps, to work four, to work five, to go through six, seven, eight, you know, I'm working on, I'm working on the middle step seven, eight, nine, ten on, on a particular issue in my life right now. And I don't want to deal with this, but I, it's something I need to deal with. So I would love to just waltz in 10, 11, and 12 and be happy, joyous, and free and be in the spiritual plane at all times. But in practical matters, I have to revisit the steps. Sometimes in application of a, a micro focus on one particular problem in my life. The, the purpose is action. The purpose is to help other people achieve recovery. The purpose in my life is to increase a connection with a power greater than myself. When I think of all the people that I've met in meetings, when I think of all the people that have given and shared of their time, of their tithing, of their abilities, in not, wanting nothing except to achieve recovery and help other people achieve recovery. It is awe-inspiring. And I did forget. Sorry, Mr. ADD got here. Um, happy Mother's Day to everybody and uh, uh, to all of you who have played roles of mothers in their lives and, and have mothers. Um, you know, happy Mother's Day. And I'm very grateful that, I, that I've had that in my life. Um, the, so the purpose is to, you know, to give. And that's what we do. And, and I'm just so grateful for all the people in my life uh, and, and in program who tirelessly, relentlessly give their time. The, the thing that's beautiful about uh, 12 Steps and Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, is that it's an avocation for us. It's not, it's not work. It's not a work affiliation. Not a profit-seeking uh, enterprise like work is, or a job. It is something we do because it helps us. 
Uh, I make outreach calls and get outreach calls a lot, and I do that because it helps me. I sponsor people, and I, I know a lot of you probably feel the same way. I get so much more out of it because I get the learning uh, together in in conjunction with, with the protégés. I'm a sponsee. I'm always a sponsee and turning to my sponsor for help or to, for counsel. And I feel the same way about uh, folks that I work with. I work with them and I see them as a partner. I'm not a father I'm, uh, in, in terms of sponsorship. I'm, I'm not a dictator. I've tried all those things. You know, and, and one of my greatest possible regrets is, is driving people out of program from being so rigid and so hard and so uh, perfectionistic around food um, that I may have driven people out of program. Although, that said, nobody could drive me out of program. I've had sponsors uh, who have come and gone, and there's nothing that would make me leave program. And so, if I, I don't think I'm responsible for driving someone out of program necessarily, but it, it is important that I don't make it about the food anymore, that it is about the recovery. It's about, let's, that's good where you're at with the food. Let's talk about the recovery. Let's go through the book. Let's, get, let's go through doctor's opinion. Let's talk about the mental twist. Let's talk about uh, uh, the spiritual solution. I am not a, a religious person. I grew up in a religious church, um, and, and I had great experiences there, nothing negative. Uh, I belong to a community now that is very um, spirituality, multi-denomination-focused. We take a little bit of the uh, Buddhism, a little bit of uh, Judaism, a little bit of Christianity, and we kind of mix it all together, and we use elements of all. But the, the important thing that I've learned in that group, and my view of spirituality is evolved to a point, or whatever you want to call it, it's come to a point where it's God is in us, we are God, or part of God, and God is in you, and part of you. And when I see God in the trees, and the animals, and the people, and everything around me, instead of trying to pray to something separate out there that's not part of me, that's out there externally, no, I need to bring God in. And uh, my ego needs to just let go of the boundaries and realize that it's a force, it's a spirituality out there. If it wasn't a, if it wasn't that spiritual being as part of us, um, you know, it, it just wouldn't make sense to me because it's all connected. So when I'm in a good place, that's that's where I'm coming from. So the the, the purpose again, just to drive back on this word purpose. The word purpose is actually mentioned in the big book many, many, many times, you know, and it talks earlier on page 92 and working with others, uh, you know, we talk about ourselves and we talk about our background, if it will serve some good purpose. Um, the, 12, the 12 and 12 talk about purpose quite a bit, quite a bit. And even on page 130, it talks about in the family afterward, uh, there's a sense of purpose that is accompanied by our behavior in the family afterward, trying to understand to the families or explain to the families what's going on. Even for the agnostics on page 49, it, it says, uh, these faiths have a given purpose and direction to millions. 
So whatever your religious affiliation, uh, that example of religion is the purpose-driven life that uh, they that was adopted into the 12 steps into Alcoholics Anonymous. They saw something there. So I'm just grateful that there isn't a pill, that there isn't, uh, at least that I've seen, a surgery that works universally, um, that I am afflicted with this illness, disease, condition, whatever you want to call it, but it's an opportunity. If I was not an alcoholic and a, and a compulsive eater, I would not have the opportunity to be here for the last 10 years to meet so many of you in person and uh, uh, on the lines to work weekly, daily, hourly with people, to meet people from all over the world, you know, Sweden and Germany and just you name it, Israel, of course, many, many people that I've talked to through the years um, regularly on the phone, having a chance to travel to other countries and, and, and attend meetings. Um, this is a universal program, and it's everywhere, and just like the higher power is there. So my purpose is to just, that is my cornerstone, that is my foundation, the, the 12 steps and the fellowship um, driven by the 12 steps is my purpose in life. I have things I want to achieve in my life, but at the core and at the center of it all is is recovery. I want the recovery and have for a long, long time wanted recovery more than any idea of you know, food or addiction uh, could bring me or material wealth. I have a strong... I have a strong uh, appetite these days for more recovery and to get well and to get better and to be helpful. And it is, and it is clearly the, the bright spot of my life when I get to you know, help other people you know, walk the path along with me um, or lead me along this path. It, it is the bright spot of my life. I know that uh, when I see someone get up and speak who has been around for a while, maybe they are a newcomer, and the lights are starting to turn on their eyes, that is exciting. That's thrilling. That's more exciting than some kind of work or financial or personal achievement has been. It is, it is exciting to see other people, to, to come on this line and to hear new people lighting up and getting excited. That's exciting. It's absolutely exciting, and, and uh, it's a thrill. So if I look at uh, you know, page 93 and working with others, uh, I'm looking here at the last paragraph, and it talks about the prospect and, and what we do, and, and our purpose is to help other people achieve recovery, and it's talking here about sponsorship and uh, helping others. You know, there, someone else's religious I'm paraphrasing, education and training may be far superior to yours. In any case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. Because um, if that prospect is anything like me, we know everything. I have a lot of self-knowledge. We're diet experts in this program. There's no doubt about that. But he'll be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. I know all this stuff, okay? I know about the God stuff. I know, I'm paraphrasing now. I know all this stuff. I know, I know, I know. One of my, one of the 
downfalls of me. It's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, which is always uh, being defensive. Meaning uh, when I say that, I usually don't know something or I'm avoiding something or I'm afraid of something. He may, going back to the reading, he may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. Well, I'm an example that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish construction of action. Let me say that again. I'm reading. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Let's break that apart a little bit. To be vital, to have a vibrant, exciting life, uh, important life for me, working this program and being in recovery, to be vital. I need those things. I need those things these days to have a desire for that. Faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice. You've got to do stuff. Self-sacrifice, four-step, taking our inventory, not our part of the inventory, our inventory. All parts are our parts. We don't, we don't, I don't consider what other people did. I consider what I did and what my reactions were to things they might have done. Self-sacrifice, you know, giving up of my time, of my tithe at meetings. Picking up that outreach call when I don't really feel like it. Taking unscheduled calls, you know, uh, sponsor calling or somebody calling and needing to talk and, and uh, you know, getting back to them promptly and, and having that conversation. And unselfish, constructive action. Action. Unselfish action. Doing something for somebody. This is what my first sponsor in, in the other program told me, and I love this. And I, I meant to say this a lot, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. Do something nice for somebody and don't get found out. Don't, I don't have to tell everybody uh, I let somebody in traffic ahead of me or I let somebody in the checkout line. And that stuff's all great. Do something secret. Do something in secret and don't tell anybody about it. You know, give anonymously. That builds moral character. Thanks to my, my friend that, that taught me that. And when it, when it seems, oh, I can't give this guy a dollar. I don't have, I'm not out of work. I'm coming from lack. If I circulate my time and tithe and my, my give to the universe, it's going to come back to me. It has come back to me in program. So there's no requirement that we are at any kind, particular kind of standing in life. There's no requirement in the program that we, you don't have to be of any kind of um, moral fiber. Yeah, the opposite. We'd, we'd make, you know, somebody in AA told me one time, we'd make a hell of a uh, motorcycle gang in this program, you know. We are a convention of the unconventional. But that's beautiful. You know, it's beautiful. We all come from different walks of life, different experiences. The purpose of the program and the beauty of the program and the thing that is extremely spiritual to me is that we take the things about our life we take those elements, the most hidden, the most frightful things we've done in our life when we do our inventory. Oh, I did this thing in a dark corner somewhere and didn't want anybody to know about it, or I hurt this, or I hurt them. We take all those things, and now in sponsorship, in working with others, and as being a sponsee in that service, we're turning it around completely. 
as, as my friend said, inside out. We're turning those terrible, horrible things about ourselves, and we're put, revealing them and showing them to others and saying, look, this, I did this. I was wrong to do this. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that doesn't really fit the bill, as it says. You know, I, I said I'm sorry for a lot of things. What am I doing? I'm, I was wrong to do this. And, you know, here, here's my plan of action to uh, overcome these issues, to, to, along with my higher power, help remove some of these defects. You know, there's actions I have to do. I can't just, you know, wave a magic wand and, and expect that these defects are going to be removed. I have to have awareness of them through meditation, through prayer, through working with others, through counseling with a sponsor. And then work through those, keep an inventory, a daily inventory, uh, or more thorough if needed, and work through those issues and then, you know, be cleansed. It does get better, though. My four steps that I take are much smaller uh, and much more focused on particular things that uh, maybe I've had a blind spot towards. But the important thing is we're, we're doing it together. We can take those terrible, horrible things of our lives, the most shameful things in our life, and we can actually use that to the benefit of others. Where else in the world can I say to somebody, I, I can't go to my next job interview and say, hey, I got fired from my last job. I can, and I have done that actually, but um, you don't want to leave with the chin. But, but here in program, it's all fodder for helping another person. So we can let it all out. Uh, where appropriate, um, and help other people with that knowledge, with that information. We can take those dark spots, those horrible things that we're ashamed of, and actually use them to the betterment of, of helping other people. So just continuing back here, sorry, I digress. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action to reveal those things of ourselves, to, to tell other people about those things, and to use it constructively. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Now, that is another thing that I've learned in programs. That I'm not an instructor, and I don't have to tell people what to do. I am only giving suggestions and guidance as a sponsor and as a sponsee. I, I don't have a dad. I don't have a, a parent. You know, I'm a male sponsor in my case. You know, they're there to advise me, not to shame me, um, but to advise me and guide me back on track if I get off track in my program of action. We're not talking about abstinence here. That's important. Got to put the food down. Um, you know, for me, I have a, a structured meal plan. Whatever your food thing is, that's fine. You know, the purpose here is to work the steps and to change my behavior. Ultimately, one of my other sponsors, love this program, said to me so eloquently, this program is about change. This program is, at its core, fundamentally about change. We can talk about the drinking, the eating. We can talk about all these other things. We can talk about these techniques that we use to be absent, these techniques that we use to work the program, you know, guides and, and, and things we follow and and, and you know, 12-step studies, this is fantastic. <clears throat> but at its core, this program is about changing our lives, changing ourselves inside, and then revealing it by our actions. 
And so just falling back down here, getting back on track, you know, admit that he probably knows more about it than you do. And that's important to say that sincerely, not as a salesman kind of person. Bill was a salesman, you know. Well, you probably know more about this than I do, but I'm going to keep talking here. No, no, to humbly admit and say, you know, I don't have the answers. Alcoholics Anonymous, Obvious Anonymous does not have all the answers. Many people achieve ideal weights and goal weights outside of Overeas Anonymous. Many people are happy, joyous, and free outside a program. I don't judge that. I don't have to say that this is the only way. I don't need to do that. All I need to say is this is what works for me. This is an exciting way of life, and this is what I do. And I come join us if you wish, but I'm certainly no expert. Who am I as a compulsive eater, as a, as a volume eater, as a person that was 310 pounds when I came in? And I'm not seven feet tall, so it was not height, weight, or proportionate. Um, you know, who am I to say, you know, this is the answer? You know, that's, that's something that I did early on as a newcomer and early on in AA. You know, after three weeks, I became a really good parrot. I can tell you everything about the program because we're excited. And that's not, we don't want to quell that excitement. Um, but we also, it's a, big, it's a big step from knowing the stuff and doing the stuff and then doing the stuff repeatedly, as so many have uh, for years. So I don't have all the answers. I really don't. I, I have to believe that and know that. I, you all as collectively certainly know more about this than I do. You do. And if, I'm, if there's something being said at a meeting that I'm rebelling against or I disagree with this or that, i got to do a turnaround on that because listen to what the person's, let them finish. Let the person finish what they're saying. Don't turn off my mind. Don't start texting during the meeting. Don't start doing my laundry when I'm listening to the phone meeting. You know, focus and, and listen to that. And, and as one of my friends says, maybe that's the person I should make the outreach call to if I get a resentment on the phone because I go to a phone meeting every day, different kinds. <laughs> so, you know, I probably don't know, you know, and sincerely, yeah. As, as, as I heard that one OA speaker say, you know, the short version of the serenity pair, oh, God, whatever. You know, I don't know. But I'm learning, and I'm willing to learn that willingness. Calls attention to the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not have drank. If I had the answers, I would have been thin, and I never would have needed to come to this program. If I had the answers, I would have had a happy, fantastic life, and you'd be reading about me in the New York Times in my business career and, uh, you know, a Wall Street Journal or whatever, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be here. No, it, it's not that my life was perfect except for the eating part. My life was in tatters and shattered when I came into this program, even after being an AA for a long time. Things were unraveled. Relationships were broken. Um, you know, friends were abandoned, all in all in quest of Greg and Greg's world and Greg's self-centeredness. You know, my story, I, I'm a musician. Uh, I always wanted to be a rock star when I was younger. And if I would have gotten everything I wanted, I would have been dead 40 years ago. 
I would have been in some hotel with a needle in my arm or something like that because I had the addictive nature. I would have gotten everything I wanted and I would have burned quickly. That's not my path. My path is to trudge this road happily, more like a turtle than trudging like with my head down, uh, to just continue walking down this path in recovery and to keep trying and to steadfastly uh, continue to work the steps. That's my that's my path. Um, so perhaps your story will help him see he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. I think the other important thing um, that I talk about a lot and that I think about uh, is listening to others because that's one of my defects. You know, I'm going to tell you here's how, here's Greg's story, blah blah blah. Just to stop. You know, put the hands over my mouth and just listen, relentlessly listen, open up, you know, lean into what they're saying, really listen. Get them in touch with the pain. You know, it is painful. Life is painful. Life is difficult. I listen to phone meetings every day and and everyone has some kind of problem. There are times when we're happy, it's a momentary bliss that we seek, but that's not reality. We all have issues and things we work through in our lives. And that's what these steps are so beautiful at applying towards. We can turn these steps and these, this program of action around any situation in life. Illness, facing death, you know, um, you know, having a child, losing a child, um, you know, going in and out of program, all these things. We can apply these steps to, to help us deal with that. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to be here today, tomorrow. You know, it is the bright side of my life to be in the program of recovery. So just continuing on again with working with others here. Um, these are general principles common to most denominations. So we're, we're not religious. We all have different um, religious and spiritual beliefs, whatever they happen to be. Even if we're atheist or agnostic, you certainly, I certainly have been demonstrated the power of the group as a power greater than myself. And it's, the group is my God in, in my case. Outline the program of action explaining how you made a self-appraisal inventory, working fifth steps, how you straighten out your past. Again, painfully sometimes, you know, doing the steps, working through the pro, working through the inventory, asking for those defects to be removed, and then taking action to help, help those defects be removed, not forcing them out, but taking action to, you know, do something about it, and um, how you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. Well, that's why we're here. We're endeavoring to be helpful to others. You're, that's a relent, the relentless part of this program is to be helpful to others. And not because, hey, look at me. I lost all this weight. Hey, look at me. I'm a spiritual being. No. That's, again, going back to self-centeredness. I'm endeavoring this because it's saving my life. You know, I'm, I'm on fire for this program and I'm excited about this program because it's saving my life. You're saving my life, all of you. Um, it's important for me to realize that. It's important for you, your attempt to, you attempt to pass this on uh, to play a vital part in your recovery, but we can't discover things for other people. You know, we only just should turn on the light. We light the candle. We talk about our experience, strength, and hope. And we hope, like so many on the line have, 
that folks will join in and uh, you know and change their lives. You know, it's about change, not not weight change, but change from that isolation and that self-absorbed life to changing to a to being a spiritual person. You know, for me. So I'm going to wrap up here in a minute. Uh, not if I've ever talked this long before. I'm sure other people would dispute me on that, but. You know, for me, again, this is all my opinion, but the purpose is the more hopeful, which is all to the good, <clears throat> just continuing back on, further on page 94, maybe you've disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. Sometimes you need to get the prospect in touch with the pain. I'm a people pleaser. I always want to be nice to people. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. That's what my mom did to her deathbed. You know, God bless her soul, but I'm fine. was not one of the better things that she... Uh, passed on to me. I'm not fine. I had a boss before he fired me say, it's not fine. It's not okay. So I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'll work it out. He's like, no, it's not. You know, he was being honest with me. It wasn't working out. (laughs) But boy, I don't want pain. I want to escape pain at all costs. And then I go eat. But the eating is like at the very end of everything. There's a lot of stuff that happens before I would take that compulsive bite. Um. And just to talk about relapse for a minute, I experienced relapse in my recovery uh, in in OA, uh, again, not for the last couple of years. But the thing is, it was worse, way worse. It progressed. My life was completely focused, just like a heroin addict, laser beam focused. My whole day was focused upon food and where I can get it after having all this knowledge, after working these steps, because... I wasn't acting in my life. I need to do this daily. It's not a one-and-done thing. It is a relentless disease, and I have to relentlessly work the steps. So, you know, maybe you've disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. Yeah, i got to get in touch with the pain a little bit. Um, this is all to the good. This pain, this inventory, working the steps, it's all to the good. The more hopeless you feel, the better. It was never hopeless. Just remember that, friends. It was never hopeless. It just seemed hopeless. Seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Recovered from that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. It it, ne- it was never hopeless, and it's never going to be hopeless again. As long as I continue to work the principles and the steps of this program, it will never be hopeless again. And when it does get hopeless, ah, moment of reflection and prayer and meditation, talking to another. Oh, yeah. I am, I am abstinent. Yeah, I lost my job, but I am abstinent. Maybe I can do a little, maybe I can pause here and relax, not fire off 30 resumes. Maybe I can pause here and relax and actually, you know, reflect on the fact that I'm abstinent. Maybe help some other people in recovery here. Take a break from trying to make everything happen and do a little service. Always works for me. Always works for me. When it's painful, when it hurts, when I'm most inside myself, give. And it always is an anecdote. What a beautiful program this is. So again, I'm Greg B. in California. Um, just so grateful to be here again. And uh, and now I'll uh, uh, you know turn it back over and I guess uh, question and answer time. And again, I'm no authority, so please remember that. But again, blessed, grateful. Please, everybody, anybody, reach out to me. And don't stop. Don't stop going to meetings. Continue to work with your sponsor or work with other sponsors. 
don't leave. This for me, if you're anything like me, this for me is the solution. I'm not going anywhere. Thank you. Thank you, Greg, for sharing your personal experience and insights with all of us this morning. Thank you for beautifully carrying the message of recovery and hope and possibility to all of us. Much appreciated. The share ID for this morning's presentation, 11411. That's 11,411. Greg's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Greg by pressing star 1 to unmute. Please give your name and first letter of your last name as well. Ginger C. Ginger C. Lucy, Lucy E. Lucy E. Mary G. Gotcha, Mary G. Star one to unmute. Great opportunity. Okay, well, let's start off. Abby B. Abby B. Gotcha there. Okay. Let's start off with Ginger C. Good morning. Can you hear me? I do. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, Good morning, and Greg, thank you so much. What a beautiful start to a Mother's Day. What a powerful, amazing message that you just shared. And I'm just curious, I'm glad you mentioned that your beginnings began in another 12-step room, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, similar to my path as well. And I'm um, surprised. It just feels like God keeps taking my addictions away in the order they're killing me. And I thought food was my final frontier. I thought I finally had uh, stopped seeking outside effects, but there's another program that I'm working in now as well. So I'm just curious. It feels like whack-a-mole. You know, you put an addiction down and then one pops up and then that goes down and another pops up or maybe one prior you relapsed and you're back to another uh, former friend. And do you think it's possible to be um, a human being without addictions and just solely connected to this power that we lack, um, keeping us safe and protected from all the effects that we may be seeking on the outside? So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Thanks. I, I thank you, Ginger, and I always love to hear you. You uh, thank you for your contribution to Vision for You and, and uh, for bringing that up. Yeah, I've, I belong to actually five that I can count so far. I think somewhere I read, uh, again, this is not program-sponsored material I'm talking about here, but I read that there's like 200 or 250 12-step programs out there. So there's not anything that I won't turn to uh, in times of of emotional distress uh, outside of myself to avoid whatever it is, that thing that I don't want to deal with. So, yeah, it it. It really was confusing, and certainly for sponsees, it's been very confusing. You know, gee, AA is so different, OA is so different, whack-a-mole. How do I work three programs? Well, there's one pro, in my view, it's this. This is what I've learned. This is my experience, personal experience. There's one step, set of steps. There's one program in recovery. It's what, we're, what we talk about every day. It's what we deal with every day. It's the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that one program can be applied to the other programs. And so I don't need to get twisted about, you know, I, 
you know, is it a codependency issue or is it an Al-Anon issue or, a, um, you know, an AA issue? I, I have all those things, by the way. Um, and just apply the steps to the situation. How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father? How can I listen to my wife? Because, <laughs> you know, my inventory starts right here at home um, and the rest of the day and the challenges of Mother's Day and the in-laws and outlaws I'm going to deal with. Um, that's where I have to apply it. So, yeah, it is whack-a-mole. Life is a whack-a-mole. And I think people do live outside program and have normal, healthy lives, and people live inside program, normal, healthy life. I don't want to be normal. No desire to be normal for myself. But it it's it's wonderful an opportunity. So I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't have the answers, but than the fact that I think it's an opportunity that we have by being in this program. And it's frustrating sometimes to revisit things over and over again, but it just probably means that if I worked a perfect AA program, I probably wouldn't be in Overeaters Anonymous, and I didn't. So here I am. Now what am I going to do about it? <laughs> Work steps, right? Thank you, Ginger. Yes, thanks, Ginger. Lucy E., your turn. Star one to unmute, please. Lucy E., star one to unmute. Hi, here I am. Thank you so much, Ali, and thank you, Greg. Um, I, I mean, bless you, actually. Two things that I'm going to take away from what you said is stronger. You have a stronger appetite, a nice switch for working your program, being healthy and helping others, and that it's seemingly hopeless. It's never hopeless, and I'm going to really meditate on that one today. Uh, Greg, could you please shed some light on food neutrality? It's something I don't have. I hear a lot on this meeting and Lord knows I want it. And so could you speak to that? I am so glad you brought that up. I didn't mention that in my talk. And what a gift. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for speaking up. For those of you that are afraid to speak up and share, you know, do it. Don't be shy or recovery might pass you by. Um, you know, neutrality around food is a difficult thing. And, and by the way, that it was never hopeless and all that. That's all stuff I've learned and heard my fellows in programs say. So I'm not like, you know, I've learned all this stuff and I'm just parroting back what I've learned and experienced. Um, neutrality around food is, is it's not easy. And I, I, there's a lot of discussion in meetings around this whole topic and around this whole area. I just, the, the opinion that I have and the way that I do things personally is I'm the only compulsive voter in the world. I'm the only one. I don't know that, you know, I, I know that, uh, Lucy, I know you come to meetings. I know Ginger comes to meetings. I know Leah comes to meetings. But I can't really compare myself to that, oh, they're compulsive voters only. I'm the only one. What they eat, what other people in program eat, what sponsors eat even at this point for me, um, you know, is not my biz. I, I counsel, I'll listen, but I'm not, you know, I am not the authority. I am the worst authority about what the right foods and wrong foods are. So I have to just divorce myself from that kind of thinking. My wife is, um, you know, whatever she is, you know, she's not a model. Um, 
you know, she eats a lot of things that are binge foods for me. And, uh, but if I focus on that, then this, that means something's wrong with me. I should be looking for a job today. You know, I shouldn't be, you know, focused on what she's eating. Uh, you know, I, I got work to do here. You know, I could be helping somebody else. No, I can go do something else. I can walk out of the room. Well, I can deal with it, honestly, and say, you know, no, it doesn't bother me. It does bother me, and I need to step out of the room. You know, I need to go somewhere else and not be around this food. So it's in my house, right? So going out to eat at work, those situations are infinitely easier than dealing with it at home. But that said, I don't care what other people think about my food. I've brought my food into just about any place I can. Uh, into restaurants and such, you know, and I've told bosses and such, listen, I'm not really comfortable going out to eat. I will come along with you, but I'm not going to eat if that's okay with you because I, I, I don't eat, you know, it's just, I mean, I, I'd be glad to partake. And I don't really normally need to go into this long dissertation unless they pressure me because if I go into a long dissertation about what my food plan and what I need to do, then I'm not really being neutral about it. Then I'm making it all about my food plan. But when pushed, I'll often say, you know, I just, this is how I eat. You know, I'm not on a diet. And I don't have to tell them I'm not on a diet because they're always going to look at it like a diet because why wouldn't they? I used to. I'm not on a diet. This is how I live. People expect me to bring a scale. People expect me to weigh and measure my food. People expect me to be absent. What a gift. And when I wasn't, People were surprised, and they had sympathy for me and empathy for me, and they were glad to see me coming to meetings anyway. So, you know, I'm on your side, Lucy, and everybody, and, and, and you're on my side. But neutrality of food, it takes time. It takes time. Be patient with yourself. You know, focus your efforts on other things. Um there's probably something going on if, if I'm not neutral towards food. There's probably something, this is for me, something's going on with me that I'm making that the focus. Isn't it, one sponsor said to me about a resentment I was dealing with, isn't it convenient for you to focus on that? Very convenient for you to focus on that behavior. Don't you have stuff to do? So what a great sponsor he was. Okay, thanks, Lucy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lucy. Mary G, star one, ton mute. This is Mary G. Can you hear me? I do. Um, well, this okay. is my first time calling. My sponsor suggested I do this, so um, I'm I'm reaching out. Um, just wanted to say thank you to Greg, and um, especially for uh, it's never hopeless. Um, I think I needed to hear that and that it never was. Um, I'm working on um, uh, the honesty part of the program. Are you really, really done? Um, I say I am um, lots of times, but um, I'm working with a sponsor now. So I'm putting my name out there and um, my phone number. So. Thank you um, for sharing, and I appreciate everyone on the line. Thank you, Mary. Fantastic. Yeah, put yourself out there. And for those silent majority that are out there, you know, put yourself out there. There's nothing like uh, putting yourself out there. I need to put myself out there in uh, in life, and it, it, 
it helps me take action by, by making a commitment and making myself accountable. That's what we do uh, on this line. You know, we make ourselves accountable. Thank you, Way Mary. Yes, welcome, Mary. There is hope here. Abby B., your next question, please. Abby B., star one ton. This is Abby B., compulsive eater. Um, thank you very much. Um, I heard I heard a phrase that made me think about uh, meditation and prayer. You you spoke roughly talking about we are part of I don't know the higher power, the supernatural world, and it is part of us. Could you talk about your uh, uh, spiritual and uh, your practice of meditation and prayer? Thank you. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. Drive carefully. Um, I think that uh, for my practice, uh, I have to look at the positive because I, I often go energy. I don't meditate enough. I don't pray enough. Um, just a couple of anecdotes. Um, I heard a quote by Martin Luther King, and I don't know if it's true or not. Some, some of these things are urban legend, but I heard it said that, uh, you know, I have so much to do in my life, and I have, I'm so busy uh, with all the things that I have responsibilities for that if I didn't pray and meditate for two hours a day, I don't know how I'd get it all done. <laughs> it's sort of a paradox that when we're busiest, when we have the most things to do, uh, that we that's when we really need to go inside and, and take a pause and pray and meditate. I desire to be more disciplined in my prayer and meditation. Often it is by being in meetings and being silent and listening. It's a form of meditation. Uh, the spiritual group that I belong to um, outside the program, you know, talks about meditation can happen anywhere. And I've heard some of the Buddhist people talking about this. Holding laundry, um, being quiet, uh, just, you know, certainly not watching TV. That's not meditating. Good try, but no, I don't think. Um, but I think that, you know, a lot of things in life, we can be meditative in a contemplative state of mind. And it's, for me, meditation is just quieting the mind, not running through all these things and just, uh, being present. And meetings are a great place to start for that. You know, I'm actually in the meeting listening, not making a list of what I want to talk about and making a list of things I have to do after the meeting. I can actually be here now, present, and listen. Have a rapport with another human being. That's meditative, listening to their story. Not filtering it by my experience, but listening. Um, and just that quiet, silent, meditative time. Um, you know, there, there are many different ways, many different forms, in my view, in my opinion. So don't, it doesn't have to be, there's no perfect meditation. It's just... Try, act, do. Thank you, Abby B., for your question. Who else has a question this morning for Greg? You can pose a question. Sharon C. Hey, Sharon. By pressing star one to unmute. 
and announcing yourself just like Sharon just did, including first letter of last name. Sharon, Sharon P. P. Aaron P. Ramona yes. A. Ramona A. Jen A. Jen A. Andrea B. Andrea B. Great opportunity to ask questions. What's on your mind? What's confusing you regarding the program of recovery 12-step process? Anyone else want to be on this list? Victoria K. Victoria K., is that correct? That's right. Kim E. Jen E. Kim K. Kim. Thanks for the correction. All right. Great group. Sharon C., go right ahead. Everybody else, please mute. Thank you. Can you hear me? I do. Okay, good. I didn't know if I was still on mute. Um, Yeah. Um, Greg, I want to thank you so much for your service and you too, Leah. Um, yesterday, I was having a battle between, I guess you could say, my the spirit and the flesh. I don't know. But I'm in the car and I'm passing by this place that has my favorite thing. And um, I even, I drove away, um, started to come home, and then I pulled it on the side, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to have it. I, you know, it's not going to bother me. I'm, you know, it's that same thing like it says in the big book. You know, you, you forget the what, the pain and all that, um, you know, the twist of the mind and everything. And then I t- turn back, and I go back there. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm just parked, and I'm thinking, this is going on and on. And I'm going great. I made two phone calls. I couldn't get anybody, just two. And because I was really desperate. I did not want to do this. And I know this must sound crazy, but, you know, it, it, you just sometimes it just, I don't know what was bothering me. I really have no idea. I didn't seem to, there's always something I'm sure it could be. But anyway, um, see, my husband just came in. <laughs> okay, well, that that's it. I was just wondering, what do you do when something like that happens and you try to make calls and it doesn't work? And I even tried to read part of the, big book and I ended up unfortunately uh, if you can answer that or, or at least give me how you, you know what you would do thank you hey can you hear me okay I do hear yes. you okay good yeah my booth is starting to give out hey thank you uh, thank you so much for sharing and that experience and you know that's if you've already done the first part, and that's talking about it and telling somebody about it and being honest about it. That's number one. Instead of being in isolation and being afraid, this is it. There's no shame. There's no shame here. You know, those those these things happen, you know, and even if the food is neutral and the food is down and, and I'm abstinent, I pick up the tools of resentment and fear and anger and all those things. And so the program is... You have to deal with all those things as well, because if I deal with those things, then the other stuff probably wouldn't happen. Um, and the you know, just keep trying, but reach out to somebody. You know, there are a lot of techniques and tools you can use in the program. There's an infinite number of tools, but when when you've got that overwhelming desire and need, it's uh, sometimes uh, 
seems impossible, but it's not. You know, I have to learn. I'm learning at, at my later age <laughs> to become comfortable with the pain. You know, be, step outside your comfort zone because somebody said the magic happens outside the comfort zone. You know, the comfort zone is not being on a meeting at 530 in the morning or uh, the comfort zone is not, uh, you know, uh, going to a meeting and giving service and putting white chairs and, and doing you know, those types of things necessarily. You know, I'd rather be, you know, doing my thing, uh, but not anymore. Now I'd rather be doing the, the service thing just because it's become a habit, a good habit. Um, so try that. Try reaching out to somebody else and tell them what's going on like you did, and you, you've helped me. I'll be on the watch for uh, things going on in my life today, thanks to your experience, strength, and help being shared. So thank you. Thank you, Sharon C. Aaron P., star one to unmute. Hi, this is Erin P., Compulsive Overeater. Um, thank you so much for your share. I really appreciated it. I have been um, kind of out for a while, and so I'm, I'm making my way back. And um, I have two things that have come up. One was the question I initially had, which is you spoke about relapse, and I, I'd love to hear about what kind of was the, like, pivoting moment or, or what you felt kind of made a shift for you to be able to um, especially put down the food um, because I have, I'm comfortable working the steps, but I'm not, I haven't been ready to fully let go of the food. And um, I am learning and hearing, you know, that the part of it is just kind of getting comfortable with the discomfort. And I think I've been waiting for my higher power to make it easy. <laughs> so someone recently told me, God's just been waiting, or at least that they heard that God had been waiting for them to put the food down. Um, and I thought, oh, dear, here it is. The river's meeting the road. Um, and then the other thing was um, this notion of getting comfortable with being in the uncomfortable and how I've noticed that um, I can, I'm kind of a shame seeker. And so I would be interested to hear your input on kind of that balance of what is discomfort versus kind of like, self-flagellation um, or, you know, like where does self-care come in for you? What does that look like? Or how, maybe how did you incorporate that, especially early on in um, sort of the withdrawal phase of putting down the food? Um, so, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Erin, and thank you for sharing that. And, yeah, for me, it, it's a, I don't know if I'm different or whatever, but I never left programming, so I always had a sponsor. There never was a period of more than a week that I didn't go to a meeting, even when I you know, was struggling with the food in program. Um, I kept coming back, and I kept going, and so there wasn't really a breaking off point. There was a start again, stop again, start again, stop again process that was going on, and that was part of the process. But the fact that I was starting and stopping I didn't gain massive amounts of weight. I didn't lose massive amounts of weight. You know, went up and down and up and down. That gets you nowhere because it gets more up than down when you start doing that behavior, when I started doing that behavior. But that's just the weight, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's a struggle. But don't leave because as tough as it was for me to be overweight and walking into a meeting, uh, you know, I'm a people pleaser. When people look at me and they have that look of sympathy in their eyes, I, I hate that. That's shameful to me. But there's no shame. That was all my own thinking. It was all my own uh, perception. None of that was true. 
You know, I believed all these things that weren't true. I believe a lot of things that aren't true. What's actually happening? What's going on now? What can I do now? That's I have to focus on now for me. Uh, it's hard, but don't leave and keep coming and keep trying. You know, the, the magic pill is relentlessly work in the program. You know, come on vision every day. Listen, get involved. You know, get involved. You know, I, uh, you know, I'm responsible for my own life. I'm responsible for others. I'm not God. I'm not in charge of everything, but I am responsible to take actions. And this is a good place to start. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron T, yeah. for the question. Ramona A, star one to unmute. Hi, uh, Leah. Thank you for your service. My question today, Greg, has to do with, you know, when you were talking about the service um, and how wonderful it is to be able at this time to help other people. And I know that that was a change for me as I became recovered to actually feel willing and desire to go out and help other people. So my question is about balancing your service with um, outside of OA, like I have community things that I, I do service for, or with family uh, in all kinds of various ways. And then even within OA from the what I would say the spiritual sponsoring, et cetera, to the administrative, you know, being part of intergroup and uh, region uh, where I serve. So all of that and then the daily and then the ongoing commitments. There's just, there's a lot there. How do you balance all of that? Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, thank you so much for that and, and all your service inside and outside the rooms. Um, I'm not great at balance, you know, that I'm probably the wrong, wrong person to ask because, you know, I, I tend to uh, work really hard on something. If I'm earning my degree in college like I did when I was 50, <laughs> um, you know, I was obsessed with that, and I just focused on that, and that's what happened, and family took a back seat. Recovery didn't, but uh, a lot of other things did. And so I'm, I'm not a great balance person. That's why I do belong to five programs, but I, I would say this, that, and then I think also taking care of yourself, someone mentioned that earlier. Um, it's kind of a paradox because when I am uh, helping other people uh, and helping other commitments, I am taking care of myself. I get a lot of pleasure out of that. But there is the people-pleaser aspect of myself, and there's a program for that too. And I need to look at, you know, um, you know, it's just the right thing to do. Am I doing this just to get approval? Actually, people please the thing works pretty good in program too. Uh, I remember I wasn't abstinent, and somebody asked me to speak at a meeting, and I said, "Well, I don't have the abstinence requirement." And he said, "Well, I'm going to write you on the calendar, uh, you know, X number of months from now to speak." <laughs> and out of spite and out of people pleasing, I stayed abstinent, and I've been abstinent ever since. So it's fine. It's funny how that works. Uh, it can use it to your advantage too. But but really, we do it for ourselves. We help other people because it helps us. So I don't, I don't know. Balance is hard. It's a lot better to be balancing uh, service activities than balancing, uh, you know, addictions. Yeah. 
Thank you, Ramona A. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Jen A, star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Jen A, recovered in Colorado. And, um, Greg, thank you so much um, for just the humility, um, just the kindness and love that I hear in your voice and how um, sweetly spoken you are. It just tells where your heart is in this program. And uh, my question, too, was on balance. <laughs> so um, thank you for uh, answering that to the best of your ability and showing me that I just need to keep leaning into God. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Andrea B., your turn. Star one to unmute. Andrea B., you're up. Star one to unmute. So sorry, it's Andrea. Uh, I didn't realize I had somehow gotten muted again. Can I go ahead? Yes, please. Okay, thank you. Um, So what I was saying was, um, uh, Layla, thank you so much for your service, and Greg, thank you so much for your service. I really appreciated your share today. Um, When you were talking about having sponsors who were more focused on your food than on taking you through the steps, Um, I just kept thinking about um, sponsors that I've had who um, were that way. And, you know, thank you, God, I recognized that this was not how I was going to find recovery and moved on. But if you could speak a little bit about how did you handle the disappointment of um, having to move on when you're really ready do your step work and to find the recovery. How do you handle that? Yeah, for the most part, I haven't had to change too many sponsors. You know, one of my sponsors went out uh, after a period of time. But, yeah, there was one. There have been cases where where I've been fired by a sponsor in AA. Uh, He just couldn't work with me. He didn't have the bandwidth. So whatever the reason was, I always take it personally. And it's never personal, right? It's about them. It's about them. You know, if someone leaves and doesn't work with me anymore, it's about them. You know, or it's about a relationship, but that's not a bad thing. You know, because even people who hated me as a sponsor, I had one guy who told me one time, uh, I I used to pray that you would go out and eat so I wouldn't have to see you anymore. But he was never in the rooms to start with. But that doesn't matter. I want him to be. And I because I came up to him when I saw him at a meeting. I said, I'm really glad to see you. And I sincerely meant that. And he said, I hated you. You fired me, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these things like that. And he admitted to me that, you know, he had had those feelings of resentment. And it really spoke more about him. And I, boy, because I am him. I've been him. I am him. Try not to be like that these days. But, boy, that's me. It helped me me a lot and boy i hope i help him because every time i see him i give him a big hug i hope i see him again I have him for a while people come and go but the program stays god and god stays you know in my opinion in my, you know the higher power is here and, and let's try to be here you know and stay don't know different times different people different things that work um 
you know, I've had people to say, well, my step sponsored this and my, my food sponsored that. <clears throat> one of my really strong sponsors said, I'm, you just have sponsor. That's it. You have one AA sponsor, you have one OA sponsor, one sponsor. That was his opinion. That worked for me. But, uh, gosh, I don't have all the answers. But there is one program recovery, and I need to focus on that. Um, and, you know, the food will come if you focus on the steps in recovery. I, I sincerely believe that. But not to say, hey, just go eat what you want and focus on the steps. No. Because that's what the first thing that the addict wants to do. But no, uh, I need to be abstinent, put the food down, and, and then work the steps. Sometimes at the same time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Victoria K, star one to unmute. It's your turn. Hi, here I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Very well. Um, well, a number of things you've been saying uh, kind of pertain to my question, which is about sponsoring. Um, uh, this is... I've been in OA a long time, and uh, this is the first time this last year since the relapse last year that I've really, really gotten the message that um, doing service, being helpful to others, including sponsoring, is helpful to my recovery, that there's a kind of, a, I think of it a cyclic flow there. I give out, but I get back. and um, um, But I am finding... Uh, that it 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 also tests me in that uh, I have ideas about now that I've gotten uh, in my opinion my ego I've kind of understood the message in a deeper way and I want my sponsee to figure uh, to see it the way I do I've had numerous experience with sponsees where they in fact stay abstinent. Um, but kind of pick and choose what parts of the steps that they want to do. Um, my recommendations are kind of, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'll do some of that or I'll do it some of the time. And um, and then, uh, so, so I have a question about that is at what point do you say, you know, I'm kind of, kind of like the way I'm working the program isn't the way you're working the program. Um, or do you hang in there with somebody because on the basis of abstinence, is abstinence the measure? Um, because I, I fear that the abstinence will um, not last. And I think I kind of get, you know, get tested by that, that I, I think my perfectionism comes out. And I feel like I'm rambling now, so, so maybe I should stop and see if you can make any sense out of what I'm talking about. Um, I just don't know how long to hang in there with a sponsee who's kind of a yes, a, a no but instead of a yes Thank ma'am you. kind of Victoria. person. Thanks. Gosh. Yeah. Sounds like your sponsee is me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, certainly. Yeah, the thing is, uh, I don't know. You know, I've, I've, uh, made all the mistakes uh, of being a sponsor, uh, but focus on the recovery, focus on the steps. I, I love what my friend on the East Coast said, you know, he said uh, he had to stop, stop taking food from his sponsors because he would get resentment. 
around the food. You know, when I get into all those different things, we all have opinions about food. God knows compulsive eaters have a myriad of opinions about food. You know, I I don't, I, I, I can give my food plan that I eat and what works for me, but generally I don't even get into that discussion. I just say, you know, get a dietitian or have a plan. But that said, sometimes sponsors can kind of use that to kind of do what they what they want and, you know, do the cafeteria-style thing like Joe and Charlie used to talk about and take what they want and leave the rest. Problem is, when I did that, I took the wrong stuff, you know, and I left the wrong stuff, like the painful stuff, like uh, making amends, <laughs> like being fearless in my inventory. So, gosh, I don't know. There are times when it doesn't work, but... But in general, I would say this. If I stay with the sponsor and work with them, and, and they're not dedicated, they'll, they'll, they usually go away, you know, because I'm going to relentlessly be here for them and for, for myself. And so they, they go away because they're uncomfortable if they're not being honest and not working the steps, you know. But sometimes they'll pick up somebody else. But in my experience, and I, I hope I'm not drawing, driving anybody, scaring anybody away, but I'm not. It's about them about them, about what's going on with them. Just like with my sponsor, if he lashes out at me or, you know, by the way, he never does. It's my own stupid filter that thinks I'm being attacked by a lion. It's not, you know, it's just a discussion, not a confrontation, right? But uh, my ego always says it's more than it is. Keep, keep trying. Bless you for being a sponsor. And uh, don't give up on people, but at the same time, you know, don't let them waste your time either. I'm not here to be a psychologist and talk about your relationships and, and all these things. Uh, but I don't have to say that. I can painfully, uh, not pain, sometimes painfully, I can, you know, uh, patiently listen. Uh, but we're here for recovery, and that's what we're here for. And I need to stay focused on that for myself and for others. Thanks. Thank you. That's helpful. Thank you, Victoria Kay, for the question. Our final question this morning comes from Kim E. Star one to unmute, please. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, very well. Hi. Thank you for your service and your share and everybody on the line. Um, grateful for this meeting. Um, I am struggling with making outreach calls. Uh, and I don't get it. i um, never met a stranger. I have no problem talking to anyone. Every time I have made them, they've been a wonderful experience, but I don't do them. <laughs> I wondered if you had ever had that struggle and how did you handle it? Yeah, I'm maybe the wrong person to talk to because I make tons of outreach calls and I've also been in telephone sales in the past, but that's not, I was after being a program. But that, on the other hand, I get a lot more calls than I make these days, and that's uh, not good either. I need to also make calls. Make three calls a day. Call one person you're comfortable with and comfortable calling your buddy. And this is what one of my sponsors said, by the way, it's not me being so wise. Call one person that you're, you know, buddies with. Call one person you don't know very well that's maybe a newcomer or needs some help. And this is the one that I despise. That's my teaching tool. Call one person that annoys you that you heard on a meeting that went on and on, is struggling, suffering, 
you know, that one, the whiner or whatever you want to call it, you know. And by the way, that's me too. I'm that person. Um, call that person too. So call those three people. Give that a shot. And, and by the way, uh, can you give me, give me your number and I'll make sure I call you after, the, after we're done with the recording and stuff. Thank you, Kim E., for the question. And thank you to everybody who asked questions this morning. And a heartfelt thank you to you, Greg, for your generous spirit and for sharing so much of yourself with all of us this morning. Thank you. I'm going to close from page one. Thanks, Greg. I'm going to close from page 164. It's found in a chapter in your text that's entitled A Vision for You. Page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.